When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Clay Thompson, one half of the dubious Splash Brothers. I want to confirm something. You put a fortune in a cookie. What did you write on the fortune? I put 73 and 9. If it's right there for us, why not? With your hosts, Sekou Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Man, we don't do second place. We <laughs> second know? place two years in a row. You did 28th place this year. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like to stir things up from time to time. <laughs> Couldn't let Jerry Stackhouse make it through the building without stopping and hollering at us. What's been the hardest adjustment for you to make to becoming a coach? Not wanting to go out there and get 15. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for the tip-off. Iverson has Jordan. The crowd is into it. Allen Shakes Gray gets two. Yes, the crowd loves it. The little guy, the MVP, baseline fadeaway, yeah. Uh, Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson, Shaquille O'Neal, Yao Ming, Cheryl Swoops. David Aldridge. Our own David Aldridge. Going to be a lot of people in Springfield, Mass., for the induction of the 2016 class of the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. Sekou Smith from the Hangtime Blog at NBA.com. My main man, Zalang Whitaker. Yo. And oh, Rick Fox. I can feel it. <laughs> Yo, I was at Kanye last night. You oh. have no idea. Oh, I saw no. the pictures. I, I saw like, the photos. You gonna blow me off. You probably in New York, aren't you? Like? <laughs> I figured you were here for my birthday tomorrow. <laughs> well, I, I am, but you just blew me off. I was gonna take you to Kanye. Say cool. I, 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 I see. I, I can see you winking through the wire. I was assuming that Sasha Fox knocked me out. Of, uh, yeah. Me and, me and Sasha That's Fox okay. went down in the pit. We were mosh pitting. So the show was good. It was incredible. Outstanding. But you know what's going to be incredible, too? Is Shaq getting inducted. Oh, yes. I Yow, can't wait Yow, to hear his speech. With Yao, with AI. Um, yeah, I can't wait to hear his speech. You know, it's going to be it's going to be great. I know. I, as, as much as I'm looking forward to hearing from Shaq, I can't lie, guys. I can't wait to see Allen Iverson on that stage and just in that room with all those guys getting his just due. And yeah. joining us on the, on the podcast this week is uh, none other than Pat Croce. Um, former president of the 76ers, and a man who was at ground zero of the AI experience. Pat, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the program. Oh, yeah, we appreciate you taking some time. I'm I'm curious. I know it's in hindsight now, but did you have any idea 
what you guys were getting in Allen Iverson, not just on the floor, but the movement and the culture shift that was coming with his arrival into the NBA? No effing way. (laughs) (laughs) We knew knew we were getting a warrior. Had had we known there would be a fight on and off the court for the five years I was with him, no way, but I don't regret any minute of it. Yeah. But Pat, it doesn't last. It doesn't last five years if if your personality doesn't blend and match with with AIs in the sense of winning being being the you know the core anchor, the desire to win, the desire for excellence, um, and, and your temperament alone just I thought was perfect for AI. Is that Rick? Oh yeah. yeah. My ex friend Rick Fox. <laughs> You guys know I went up to try to recruit him out of Boston, and he went and stood us up for the Lakers. But I love Rick Fox. So, Rick, it's good to talk to you, and congratulations on all your success. Uh, Thanks, Pat. You know, I was lucky enough to have Alan Iverson. He was like a mirror image of me. We're both uh, 6'5", 165 pounds (laughs) from the street. His is a little different corner than mine, but it was maybe 20 years older than him. It was just a wonderful experience that I could communicate with him. We had a common goal, which was to win. Obviously, along the way, there was deviations and hurdles and obstacles, but that's just part of any family affair, right? The idea that AI and Larry Brown knew that I loved them and that we had a common goal, and sometimes they didn't speak the same language and I had to mediate, (laughs) it all brought it together in that fifth year against the Lakers. Speaking of the Lakers, Rick, against the Lakers, but... Allen Iverson would do anything to win, and I love that about him. And he never, ever, ever, I wasn't there for the practice speech when he was on the, on the dais. That was a couple years after I had left. Mm-hmm. But I never heard during my five-year tenure with AI, never heard Bubba Chuck one time say a negative syllable about anyone, ever, publicly, privately. He's not that kind of guy. He was a quiet leader. He was one who, he'd pass you the ball. People say he was selfish. Ball. He'd pass you the ball. If you didn't score, you might get it a second time. If you didn't score, you're never seeing it again. (laughs) For the season. (laughs) Well, he knows he could score. So, I mean, he knew he wanted to win. Pat, Lang Whitaker here. Uh, Hello, Lang. Hey, what was it do you think about Allen that that resonated as it did with, with fans? Um, and not just in Philadelphia or, or around the world, really. But, you know, clearly there he had something that, that people just couldn't get enough of? I'll say a couple things, Frank. First and foremost, he was David in the land of Goliath. Sure. I mean, he truly was a small guy with huge, big men, and he played with a quarterback mentality. And that's the other thing. He gave of his body like no one else. It's amazing he was not hurt more because he always saw him. It was about, he may have had... 10 assists, but he had 12 knockdowns. <laughs> he was on the ground. <laughs> I mean, if you watched him, and he was obviously as quick as a cockroach, but he did get knocked down a lot, but he played with the reckless abandon, and we love that about him. He was not fearful body-wise, mentality-wise, spiritually-wise of anyone, and that's why we love that he walked the talk, and he walked a different talk. He just didn't go along with the NBA. He didn't go along with the neighborhood. He didn't go along with the team. He didn't go along with anyone. Allen Iverson was probably the most unique person I've ever met in my entire life. Wow. Pat Croce joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Aku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Pat, that five-year period, do you look back on it now and wonder 
if you maybe if you could have just slowed it down a little bit to to magnify all that was going on because it it seems like Allen's career went by in a snap. It it was crazy when you're in the middle of it, but now it seems like, man, it was just so short. We didn't get enough to me of of, of him at his best. Yeah, uh, I'm not one to talk about reviewing the past because I'm all about the present moment. I'm mm-hmm. all about appreciating presence as we stand. We are reviewing and rehearsing and rehashing the past because of the great memories. Right. And if we had to slow down that film and say, wow, I wish I could have seen that again. But we were lucky. You and I were lucky enough to see those five years and recognize him in his rookie year that I mean, this was something different in the NBA, in professional sports. I mean, he had a Mike Vick speed on a basketball court, but at the same time, he had some kind of uh, James Dean attitude right. so that he, he, it didn't matter. that once, Oh, you talk about mindfulness now. I'm all about presence. I don't know anyone who was more mindful once he walked on that court, so much so that he MF'd the coach if he took him off the court. <laughs> 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 I, you know, Pat, when you talk about uh, Alan's attitude, um, I, you know, I was at Slam Magazine for a really long time, and and Alan was, he was sort of our our hero. And, and yeah, I remember that. that magazine. I um, remember that. I think the, you called that Slam, uh, Slam Bubba Chuck Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we had a really good relationship with Alan, and but I but I think people. To me, the thing that that really was so amazing about him was that he was just so authentic, um, and and that I think people in a in a world where you see so many people who are uh, managed and and uh, you get to only see a polished image of them with Alan, you saw everything and the, the warts and the, and you know that from the way he dressed to the tattoos and everything about him was just seemed very real. You are very similar to that. <laughs> everything about you seems very real, and as you said in the moment. Um, when did you guys realize that the two of you together had a sort of special relationship? Wow. I've never been asked that, but I think it was very, from the very beginning. It truly was from the very beginning. Cause I remember it was uh camp and just a camp. I could just, I could call him bubble Chuck because that was a nickname I had asked him in the beginning. And, it resonated because he realized that, you know, I took no crap off him. I mean, I was the one in Boston and in Miami who had to sit him out. I was not even, I had to come into the games. I had to come to the games because he missed the practice or shoot around. And so I was the one. And so, yeah, he was angry with me, but in a deep sense, he knew that I loved him. And I Mm -hmm. think he craved discipline. Here's a guy who lived in chaos his entire life. So I think it was an early period when I saw that he was real. And that he just didn't shoot the sugar. This guy, when he said something, he did it. When he said he wasn't going to do it, he didn't do it. And I really respected that, as you say, authenticness, the authenticity of this fellow. And I'd say it was from the very beginning, because if it wasn't, I would have ran out of there. I used to be a redhead, and then he turned me gray (laughs) in five years. (laughs) Hey, Pat, you talk about some of those difficult conversations that you you would have to have from time to time. Um, how long would they go, and how quick would he get the message? I would say the conversations, especially, and I, there was a handful that were were scary. Were scary when he would miss practice. Those two practices that he missed that I had in Miami and Boston had to sit him out, and then no one else was going to do it, and because no one wants to 
fight the wrath of the media and no one wants to hear him or, you know, it's just every fan comes to see him. And, but that, that would last 10 minutes. And I would say, and you know, it was just these words I wouldn't use on the radio now, but you effed up. You, I'm watching the front porch and you're leaving the back door open so you can get escape. No, no. If you're going to screw up, then you're going to pay the penalty. And if you, if you want to MF me all you want, go ahead. I don't care because, you have to learn that the rules we set, we all agree upon. You're the leader. You're supposed to be the captain. You're supposed to be. And, and that was it. And at the time, he didn't want to hear it because he wasn't going to get the minutes on the court, which to him was nirvana. Yeah. I mean, that's all he cared about was playing basketball. So those were short. The one between him and Larry Brown, that lasted a good hour. And that was, a, <laughs> that, that were, that was an ugly time where. But it, it, it was the turning point. I think it was our fourth year when. I talked to Alan. I talked to Larry. Larry wanted me to trade him, and Alan wanted me to fire him. And <laughs> I, there was no way. And I told them both, "No, yeah. look at each Wait, other. Pat, look at each Pat, other." What were the conversations with David Stern like? Because I mean, oh, I, AI, changed, oh. AI shifted the culture in the <laughs> I NBA. I remember the rookie year. <laughs> and I have year. to think David called you. Oh my goodness, the rookie year. He wouldn't. He was rookie of the year, and he wore some skull cap, and he called it a prison cap, and he wouldn't let him take. I said, "Whoa, David, stop!" No, 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 no. That's a. I think that's a Reebok bathing cap or some baloney. I said, no, 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 no. That's not a prison cap. Come on. No, no, no. You got it. I mean, there was times when he would call me. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. When, you know, he got caught with a gun in the car and, uh, you know, pies or something. Yeah, okay, Alan, find some clothes. Here's a tie. Get up there and see him and kiss his ring. Yeah. Do whatever you got to do. Say you're sorry because he can't. This is his league. This is not your neighborhood corner league. He can tell you hit the pike. So, I mean, Alan was smart enough to realize that David Stern held the key to the lock on that basketball court. I mean, truly, he could stop him from playing at will. But Alan, he listened. He did listen. So he made, made a couple hiccups now and then. But don't we all? Yeah. The guy came into the NBA yeah. 19, 20 years old. Come on. Yeah. Pat Croce joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Pat, I, I think back to... And Rick mentioned it, I mentioned it earlier, the culture shift. And you talked about the fact that you and AI were the same size. To me, that's what always seemed to resonate with fans, um, is that that David and Goliath mentality you talked about. The fact that he was a small guy who literally went in amongst the trees routinely. And, Crossover and, Michael Jordan. Exactly. I mean, fearless in his approach, fearless in his attack on the league. Is that something that, that you appreciate from the president's box in ways that people might not understand when you're talking about a league of giants. I mean, literally a league of the biggest people on the planet Earth out there playing I, that sport. And this is a small guy doing it. I loved it. I truly loved it. I adored him for it, that he would have the courage, one, the curiosity to play on that court, but the courage to go up every night and use his body without fail as a weapon. Yeah. This guy, I mean, I truly loved it. And here... Again, I know the NBA is entertainment. And you can use your discretionary dollars to go bowling to a movie. I want you to go to our NBA game. Here, I got the ticket. Come on, here's the answer. This guy was pure entertainment every night, not only on the court, but his escapades off the court. His mother, his Uncle Greg, his posse. You kidding? It was wonderful. Yeah. Pat, I know you had a background in uh, athletic training and physical therapy before your your role as the president of the 76ers. I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit to the uniqueness of Allen as an athlete. 
Um, we've talked about how you just said how he used his body as a weapon, but you know, people always just kind of said, Oh, here's this real skinny guy and he's out there playing. But I mean, he, he seemed to probably gets underreported and under talked about a little bit. Just what an amazing, um, athletic specimen he was for, for his size and weight. He's a freak. He truly was a freak. God put him on this planet to play sports. Yeah. We're the same height, you know, barely a nidge under six foot, but his arms are longer. His hands are twice my size. He's got spindly legs. He can jump to the ceiling. He's quick as a river rat. So we do a mile on the first day of training camp. Now, you know all he did on offseason was fish and drink. There was no way he's running. <laughs> this guy breaks five minutes. Wow. He's, free. he's a freak. He was truly a freak. And so let me just tell you something. You brought up the physical therapy and the athletic trainer in me, which was wonderful. So unlike any executive or anyone in the NBA, I would hang in the training room. Hmm. And to me, the training room was like a womb. It was like your safe spot. And players know that. Rick, you know that. No media can go into there. No one can go. Your family doesn't even go in the training room. No one. So I could hang in the training room, and I could talk to Bubba there in the training room. I could talk to players because there, there was no facade. There was no leather jackets. There was no, you know, do-rags. There was nothing. Bare, naked, jockstrap. You were bare, naked, internally, externally. So it was a great way to say, yo, Bubba, you might want to think about this. This is after the game or some boom, 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 or, or talk to someone. That, it was a way where you could just leave a couple little notes, a little spaces in the notes that he would understand. And if I ever had big trouble, really trouble, and I couldn't get through, I'd bring his mom in the locker room. <laughs> in the training room. I'd bring her in the training room. Hey, Pat, you were up close uh, on, and probably watched way more games with Allen Iverson than any of us. And there are special moments. There's highlights that, you know, you can recall, you know, hit, you know the Jordan moment, him at the top of the key. What, what moment sticks out to you when you think of, of, you know, memorable plays, memorable games, uh, moments where AI established himself as one of the greatest players? Obviously, the Jordan crossover, even though we lost that game, as someone said earlier in this call, the courageousness to go up against Jordan and be fearless. But that wasn't the number one for me. And there was there was a variety of ones where he was injured and played with reckless abandon. But when he, in the finals, game one, <laughs> 2001, when he made that yeah. shot and stepped over Teron Liu, yes! I mean, Susan... Uh, Sharon Stone was sitting down the aisle from me. I get up and in your face I was yelling at her. <laughs> it was just so wonderful because it demonstrated Alan stepping over the league to right. move forward. It was just, the metaphor was so wonderful. Yeah. Pat, I was you, there, I remember. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pat, do you do you feel like there was a moment you know, obviously you knew he was a, a, a an athletic marvel and any guy that could play at that level in basketball and was just as highly thought of as a football player had to be a special physical talent. But was there a moment when you realized you'd kind of jump the shark with Allen in terms of his resonance off the court with people? Was there somebody that wanted to get close to him or somebody that was trying to be in that aura that you thought to yourself, wow, this guy is really a, a superstar? probably had to be the rookie year on the court was when he just continued to throw down 40 points mm-hmm. at will. I mean, we were, we were a crappy team that first year 
and uh, Larry Brown came my second year and made some great trades and and really helped really helped coach the team to success. But I think what we see here, let me just give you an example. So those that freshman year, that rookie year, where he scored 40 points at will, mm-hmm. I think it was five games in a row or whatever, some crazy number. But it comes Christmas time, and I ask the team. I, no, I don't ask the team. I tell the team we're going to Children's Hospital. And you know, a lot of players don't really want to go to Children's Hospital because it's just something outside more they have to do. I get Allen Iverson at Children's Hospital. He puts on that red Elf's hat. Now I couldn't get him out of Children's Hospital. <laughs> I'm telling you, he must have visited every room in Children's Hospital. Wow. I mean, that's really, he is a giant kid at heart. And when you see that, forget about the tattoos, the do-rag, the cornrows, and the tough facade. He is a mushy marshmallow inside. <laughs> He's got such a big heart. And all of us know the heart of an athlete, an Olympian, a pro athlete. That's what he, but more so, he's got the heart of love. That's really, I wish more people could see that. Well, I'm sure we'll see a lot of it uh, at the induction ceremony this weekend for the Naismith Memorial. Are you guys going up? I'm not going up, but I'm going to be glued to watching it. I want to see he and Shaq and Yao and everybody else. Uh, My colleague David Aldridge is going to be a part of the. you know, festivities as well. Are you going to go? Or are you going to? Yeah, I was invited. He invited me up, so I'm. Oh wow. I wouldn't miss. I wouldn't miss this for the world. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. And here's I mean, here, remember, in May of or when was it? June of two, uh, 1996, when we selected him with the number one pick, and mm-hmm. it was Ray Allen and Marcus Camby and uh, Stefan Marbury and Kobe Bryant. There were. I mean, there was. Most people in Philadelphia wanted him, but then again, he had a checkered pass, and right. he was very short for starting guard, a point guard, and no one knew how great he would be. And so to see him not only make the league, but thrive in the league is just such a wonderful experience. He, to me, is living proof that dreams come true. Yeah, there's no question about that. Well, Pat, enjoy your time at Springfield. Enjoy AI and his moment going into the Hall of Fame. Um, we appreciate you so much for sharing some of those stories and memories of Allen and uh, continued success to you, my man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys, Pat. thanks for having me on. Thank you, Pat. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Pat Croce, guys, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Some great stories. Rick, I know that memory of uh, Iverson stepping over our main man, Teron Lou, will live in infamy for, for all involved. Rick, what um, kind of view did you have of that play? Um, I was, I was, um, I was close enough that I took it all in. I mean, I, I um, I mean, you won the game. Um, it couldn't have been too big of a deal. No, at the time. we did. They won the game. Oh, that's right. That's right. That is. They did win that game, didn't they? Yeah, fifteen and one. We would right. have been sixteen and zero in that run to the championship. Yeah, well, you won the but, series. You know, it was at that moment. Sure was. I was more happy for Ty Lu when they won the championship this year. At least there'd be some other friggin' highlight. <laughs> yeah, he goes from getting stepped over to him crying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's stringing the memes together. I know. I think he's got enough money to cushion the. He'll be book. all right. Yeah, I think he's doing so, all right. So, Rick, from a player perspective, I mean, you know, we know how fans, Lang, you know this as well as anybody, just the passionate way fans followed him, you know, through slam before we had, 
the internet in all of its, uh, you know, and, and social media and all of its glory. I used to remember laughing at some of the letters to the editor people write to, would write to slam about Allen Iverson. And you think they were talking about the Dalai Lama. It was ridiculous. You know, from, yeah. from a player's view, Rick, did you guys know what kind of impact he was having just culturally in terms of how the players that would come after him would model so much of his behavior in terms of the way he dressed and his attitude and just kind of being themselves and, you know, the well, corn this, rolls. Yeah, this, this, the game spoke for itself. Look, at the end of the day, man, let's not get it lost in, in context. Um, AI was a freak athletically, right. and he was a, but his skills were on par with his athleticism. Mm-hmm. So like, anytime someone rises to, that, rises to that level of stature in professional sports, everything is aligned. So yeah. there's no holes, yeah. right? The, the hole that appeared at the time – uh, was his uh, lack of conform? He would not conform, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and at the same time, though, he was not going to compromise his his authenticity of who he was to conform for anyone or anything. Stepping in the elevator, right. uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> so that I think is what all of us admired. We admired uh, an individual who delivered on the court, but also, you know, delivered. And and, it was true to himself off the court. And so, you know, not everyone carries the type of courage to have a voice in their day-to-day lives as it is, let alone express themselves in their style or, or, you know, or uh, regardless of the criticism, uh, really, really live in the moment of of what they're about. And he did that on so many levels. And so many kids uh, at that time, I think, looked up to him for the very reason that they felt they felt like here's a, here's someone that only that not only represents my love for the game of basketball and plays the way I wish I could play, but also I see an individual that is not in any way, you know, changing who he is because of what money he's making, what celebrity he has, uh, and I think people admire that man. Yeah, you just said a lot. I there's a lot I want to <laughs> refer, respond to that. The the thing about the kids the kids identifying with him, I think. I think it's sort of the same thing Steph Curry gets now um, mm-hmm. because he's that you look at a guy like Stephen Curry or, or Allen Iverson and you think, Hey, you know what? Like I might not grow up to be six, eight or six, nine, but, but I might be six feet tall and I might be able to, to who knows if, even if I'm six feet tall, I have a chance of being successful um, in the NBA, just like these guys did. And yeah. granted that's a one in a, you know, 5 billion chance or whatever it is. But, but there's a chance, and I think for kids, they see those guys, and and they, they're able to to have someone to identify with. Um, I love Dirk's point about how other NBA players uh, were able to 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 see Allen and and uh, and sort of be able to to say maybe maybe I can be a little bit more of myself. Maybe I can be a little more honest um, with with fans about who I really am and and what are the things that that I'm into off the court and, and not try to filter things too much. Um, you know, we had them on so many slam covers, you know, how, like there's magazines like, um, like Vanity Fair once a year probably has like, uh, uh, Tom Cruise on the cover or, or, you know, they have the, you have your go-to people for different magazines, like, uh, double XL, you said Jay-Z once a year on the cover. Right. Uh, I- Iverson was that for slam. We, right. we had to have him on the cover once a year. Um, when he was an active player, and even now there was, they're still figuring out ways to to do Iverson special issues and all sorts of different things. Because 
uh, he was always the best-selling issue when, when we were doing Iverson cover. Yeah. And so we had to keep figuring out different ways to put him on the cover. We had him – the famous one was the one where he, he had his hair out. The blowout, yeah. In the retro jersey. <laughs> yeah. That was before I was there. Right. Um, and, and Questlove from The Roots was involved with that cover too because they were the Philly – you know, at the mm-hmm. time, they were kind of this underground Philly group. Now, now they're on The Tonight Show. Um, but – I think after that we had Iverson in a suit one time. We had him uh, wearing a fur coat when he was in Denver. We had right. all sorts of different things with him, uh, but but he was always you know willing to do stuff with us because he I think he knew his fans read Slam and 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 I think he probably read Slam growing up. Um, so yeah. uh, I, I, I tell you how, the biggest compliment I can pay uh, Alan Iverson was that my my own sons. At the time, mm-hmm. wanted 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 to start wearing, uh, their, you know, wanted to braid their hair, <laughs> and so they braided their hair, and I was like, you know what, I'm braiding my hair, and I'm gonna play a game with my hair braided, <laughs> and I did it, and everyone looked at me like, that is so not you. What are you doing? And I was like, look, you do every you do a lot of things to connect to your kids, and if this is who your kids are listening to or right. looking up to, then you better at least, you know. It's like sit down and watch the show with your kid or, you know, or continue to yell at them and tell them to turn it off. I want to know what they're into. I wanted to feel what they're what it was to have, you know, your hair braided. I wanted to know what it was like to play in a game with my hair braided. So yeah. I, I, I'll never forget doing that. And that picture pops up every once in a while and people look at that and they're like, what? <laughs> it's, it's a good thing they weren't into the weekend. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Lang, I, it's funny. I think about all the players who are – you know, like LeBron's age yeah. and and younger and how many of them, you know, you ask them who's the player that they, you know, who's, who's their touchstone player. And you would think most of them would say Kobe Bryant, you know. But in my, in my years covering the league, I can't get over how many times somebody mentioned Allen Iverson. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's the player you had a poster of in your room? Allen Iverson. Who's the player you looked up to? But You know, Allen Iverson. And that goes for guys who are seven feet and taller all the way down to the shortest guys in the league. It's something about his time, and I think Pat Croce mentioned it, you mentioned it, Rick touched on it, I did as well. Just the fearlessness. I think that's that's a quality in athletes, and I don't care what sport it is, um, that's universal, that appeals to all people. Um, and international fans, I'm not saying they were more passionate about Allen Iverson, but they were just as passionate as his hardcore fans in the States. Um, yeah. Just about his game and his personality, and you know, like I used to write for, uh, do some, you know, freelance stuff for some Japanese basketball magazines. They always wanted me to write about Allen Iverson. Yeah. Even when he wasn't the main focus of the league, they're like, "Well, can you give us, you know, a thousand words on AI?" And I'm like, "He's playing in Memphis or whatever." You know, <laughs> you know, his his moment is past, but not to a lot of people around the world. They still have that focus on Allen Iverson in ways that I'm sure we'll see that come out from him uh, in his speech. And I think it's something that, you know, years from now will probably still resonate with a lot of people, just what kind of impact he had on the game on and off the court. I kind of wonder what which Iverson will see at during his speech. Um, Cause it seems like a lot of times his best moments when he's doing something like that was when he was in the moment, mm-hmm. like the practice thing, or, you know, when he's in the middle of, uh, of something else, like, I, I don't know if when he'll have a lot of time to prepare, I'm curious what, what he'll, 
what he'll say, I was at the game, um, I think now it was two seasons ago, when they retired his number in mm-hmm. Philly. Um, and he gave a speech at halftime. And uh, and, and that one was pretty memorable. Um, but uh, I, I wonder now if uh, he's got a, he's got a uh, tough act or a tough group of people to, to go up against right. at the Hall of Fame. Uh, in Shaq and and David Aldridge and people who are used to to being on in the in the public eye, right. but at the same time Iverson's always managed to win in every other place he's gone up against those kind of people. So let's see what happens. Well, it's one of the reasons why I'm hoping he doesn't show up scripted. Like I want him to come yeah. and be the AI that we've we you know I don't know if you remember we saw him in Toronto when we were sitting on our set when they found out about who got in and he came out and and went over and had a chance to. Uh, sit down with Smitty for that uh, interview that, you know, that, yep. that NBA TV did. And it, even if it's just a moment, you get a chance to shake his hand and say what's up to him or whatever. And I, I thought it was cool how emotional he was and how much it hit him at that moment that he was going to be going to the Hall of Fame, enjoying. And, you know, I tell people all the time, outside of championships in your sport, the Hall of Fame, or in whatever you do, the Hall of Fame is, that's where you become immortal. I mean, that's where you become a part of something that lasts long beyond your time. Um, right. You know, there are going to be people, His, you know, his great-grandkids will be able to walk into Springfield into the Hall of Fame and, and put their hands on that bust and realize what kind of impact he has. So I'm, I'm hoping he gets as emotional as necessary. You know, who knows? Maybe we'll get a crying Iverson um, meme out of this. Maybe we'll get something like that. Or certainly something that lasts and, and kind of has some fuel beyond the ceremony because I think, the the tale of Allen Iverson and where he came from, how he conquered the league and, and the things he did, good and bad. I mean, I think Pat Croce nailed him when he said, Hey, you know, it was it was amazing, you know, on and off the floor. Yeah. Um, the good the good and the bad. And I think that story needs to be told as many times as possible. Um you know, for should, a lot of different we reasons. We should also mention just I just thought about this as we were talking, mm-hmm. the impact he had on on uh people's feet. Because he had his own line of Reeboks, yep. um, and that was at the time when it was all Jordan and Adidas and Converse, and and then Iverson really um, carried them yeah. for a long time. Brought a new again, breaking down, yeah, you know, doors to to put his own stamp on everything. And that's remember remember the commercial you had with your boy Jadakiss. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I got a I got a box in my closet with a pair of. Uh, one of his early shoes that I, that I've never really worn. I mean, I think I put them on my feet two or three times. Um, the questions? Yep. And, I mean, they, they literally will not get used. I mean, I, I just want them as a collector's item. Um, right. But uh, should be interesting this weekend. The Hall of Fame coming up, as we mentioned, Shaquille O'Neal, Yao Ming, Allen Iverson, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, our man David Aldridge, shouts to him as well with the Kirk Gowdy Award. This is going to be a fantastic weekend in Springfield, Mass. I, I haven't been – since I went up with Dominique and uh, his family when he got inducted. This this was one of those years where I really do wish I'd have made that trip because I think it's going to be a spectacular weekend um, yeah. and, a, and an opportunity to really have some great moments and memories about some of the most impactful players we've seen um, in our lifetimes, especially Lang, uh, at the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame this weekend. So big shouts to Pat Croce for joining us this week, taking some time out before he heads to Springfield. And uh, glad to have Rick Fox on the show this week, Elevator and all. Um, We will see you right here next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Peace.
Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes, visit the iTunes Music Store and be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, Sekuna Matata. Epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com/slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.